1: Hello, it is Dr. Low Radio coming at you once again. Thank you so much for joining me for an ep- another episode. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. I'm a naturopathic doctor, and thanks for joining me. I'm really excited about the show tonight. Uh, before I, inter- I introduce my guest, just want to give you a few announcements that I'm really excited about. Coming up at the end of June, June 25th and 26th, I will be speaking at an event called Fit Life Live. This is an event put on by my good good friend, Drew Canoli over at FitLife, and it's going to be a two-day event hosting experts in the health and wellness industry, and we will be having a Shine booth, so my clinic, Shine Natural Medicine, will have a booth. We'll be doing IV nutrition, we'll be doing vitamin injections, and I'll be also lecturing on Sunday morning about digestive health and how to optimize your intestinal tract. A complicated way to say heal your gut. How to heal your gut? I'll be talking all about that on Sunday morning. So go ahead and join me June 25th and 26th. You can learn more about that online at fitlifelive.com. And at checkout, if you enter live four hundred L I V E four hundred, you will get a, a good discount on your um, registration. And it'll, instead of uh, six ninety seven, you'll get it for two ninety seven using that uh, discount code. So I look forward to seeing you there. Now, one of the things I've started to do on my shows is to request that you guys leave me reviews. If you've been listening to the show and you like what you've been hearing to go into iTunes, leave me a review and you guys have really been coming through and it's been warming my heart. I wanted to highlight a review this week that really stuck out to me. And this is from Wendy loves the woo woo, which I don't know what that means, but she sure loves it. And she says, I'm so blessed to have listened to Dr. Lowe on a hormone summit hosted by Bridget Danner last month. Dr. Lowe's podcasts are beyond helpful and she's an excellent interviewer. Thank you, Wendy. She makes me excited about be- becoming healthy again, and that's the part that really stuck out to me she's excited she's excited about becoming healthy again and that's what it's all about is really just having that passion and that excitement about taking care of yourself about learning about your body and really just busting through a lot of the myths and um, you know a lot of the, the the things that we've learned about our health that maybe aren't necessarily true. This is what I love educating you guys about so thank you so much Wendy for leaving this. And also thank you to May and Amy Jane who left reviews in the last week as well. That means a lot to me. And um, I just love you guys. That's why I do it. I read each and every one of these reviews, so they, uh, they really keep me going. Thank you guys again for that. If you are new to the show, welcome. Great to have you. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can visit shinenaturalmedicine.com to learn more about my practice, about my approach. And also, if you're working with a doctor and maybe need a little more guidance, or maybe you're brand new to naturopathic medicine, you want to look into uh, doing some testing and getting to the root of what's going on with your health, I'd be happy to work with you. I work with patients here in San Diego and all over the country, so distance is no limitation at all. With all that said, let's jump into the show. All right, we have Mark Sisson back on the show for the third time cuz he's that freaking awesome. Mark Sisson is a health and fitness expert. He's the best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint and one of the leading voices of the evolutionary health movement. His blog, which I'm sure you're well aware of, is marksdailyapple.com. It's paved the way for primal enthusiasts to challenge conventional wisdom's diet and exercise principles and take personal responsibility for their health and well-being. Mark's efforts to promote primal living extend to many things line of nutritional supplements, a book publishing company, a Primal Kitchen line with healthy mayonnaise, which is in my fridge and I'm obsessed with, salad dressing, meal replacement, and an energy bar, and a burgeoning Primal Kitchen fast casual restaurant chain. I'm so excited about that. Mark is a former elite endurance athlete with a 218 marathon, dang, and a fourth place Hawaii Ironman finish. Dang again his new book primal endurance applies the primal eating and lifestyle principles to the challenge of endurance training helping athletes overcome the common conditions of burnout and carbohydrate dependency very important topics mark welcome back to dr low radio it's great to have you
2: so great to be here lauren
1: <laughs> oh it's so awesome i think i want to be seeing you pretty soon are you going to be at um paleo effects coming up or any With- of the other events
2: I'll be at Paleo FX, absolutely.
1: Awesome. I'll be seeing you there too. Cool. Well, thank you for sending me this brand new book, The Primal Endurance Book. It looks awesome and such an important topic. It's not something I've really seen – Um, you know, many uh, paleo experts talk about. And, um, you know, it's interesting, I I noticed that endurance training is kind of like, looked down upon sometimes in the paleo community, it's almost like they say, okay, we're not meant to work out like this, it should be more of like sprinting, and you know, things like CrossFit and all of that. So I love that you're bringing this into the the conversation, because a lot of us really love endurance training. And obviously, that's a, you know, a, a history you have with marathon running and Ironman and all of that. So um, what made you decide to write this book as opposed to kind of taking those other approaches
2: well it's ironic because I took those other approaches for the first 10 years of my blog you know I was yeah. I was one of those people who are who are talking down about endurance training and and this is having come from my own experience which was I was an elite endurance athlete and I trained my butt off for 20 years and you know it was my life and yeah. then when I when I left it I sort of had a really literally and figuratively a bad taste in my mouth uh i'd overtrained i'd hurt myself i'd uh, compromised my health and i started writing about uh how bad this type of endurance training is for most people when you get to that level where you've gone beyond just exercising for health and now you're starting to train for competition and and to become you know uh, at the elite level to become one of the best in the world so i've been writing about this for a long time and saying ah, eh, don't 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 really train for a marathon and you don't want to train for triathlons and you know the, it, it you could be compromising your health and and yet like you said a lot of people say hey mark but i really want to do one of these things i really want to train is there a way that i can train to compete and not hurt my health and not experience what you experienced mark which was the, you know, the health issues, the immune system issues, the joint issues, the cardiac issues that, that happen later on. Is there a way to do that? And so the last five years, my writing partner and I and uh, Brad Kearns and Brad was the number three ranked triathlete in the world mm. when I coached him. So we both have some serious experience at this. We we really went back to the books and to the research and to the labs and said, OK, what is there about this way we've been training that was so Antithetical to health, so detrimental. And is there a way to where you can have it all, where you can be um, an, an effective, functioning uh, uh, endurance athlete and not compromise, compromise your health? And the answer was yes, there is. There, the new technology that we've developed within within the Paleo community and the ability to convert your body into a fat burning machine and not be so reliant on carbs and the glucose and glycogen that they, that they make, uh, and to not beat yourself up and, and train so hard that your heart gets damaged from all the work you do, but instead gets stronger from the work you do. So, here we are, we've, we've, we've discovered an empowering way to train for endurance sports. And By the way, you don't have to be an endurance athlete to embody this type of training. If you're somebody who's just trying to lose weight, trying to burn off stored body fat and build muscle, the exact same principles work here.
1: Mm-hmm. So men and women or is there kind of some tweaking depending on the, the gender?
2: Well you know yes men and women for sure can can benefit from this book. Yes there's a little bit of tweaking. I mean you and I have probably had this discussion over the past several years about what is appropriate low carb for women. Mm-hmm.
1: And,
2: you know women sometimes have um, different carbohydrate requirements from men and yet um, when you get to the essence of it we're talking about 50 grams a day difference not 200 or 400 grams a day difference right. right so so it's not a big a big margin of separation and yet the principles still hold for both men and women young and old uh uh overweight or or underweight these principles are still we still go back to what is it that makes humans human what is it about the evolutionary process that guided the development of, of the human body so that it can be good at endurance, uh, events so that mm-hmm. we can run long distance or ride long distance or swim long distance. And we just tap into those genetic switches that we've discovered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think about the, um, the statement that, oh, our Cayman ancestors, they're not meant to move in an endurance training kind of way that, you know, we're meant to lift heavy things and sprint and just relax and walk. Otherwise, you know, I mean, I helped write that. Yeah, I, helped, I know. I helped, <laughs> I helped draft that statement. So you know, am I taking back what I said?
2: No, because I think what we're—if you—if you look at a, a modern hunter-gatherer societies, the Kung Bushmen, you know, they once a week they go out on a hunt, you know, for some beast across the plains of Africa, and they have to be fit enough to to spend five or seven hours jogging, sprinting, walking, hiking, you know, tracking a beast before mm-hmm. they before they bring it down. So you have to be fit enough to be able to. Run a 10K, shall we say, if you're going to use a, a modern analog in, in, you know, in first world uh, situations. How do you become fit enough to, to run a 10K uh, without having to practice running a 10K every single day? Mm-hmm. Because the Kung Bushmen and other uh, hunter-gatherer tribes, they don't train hard every day. Their life is hard. They, you know, they, they are lifting heavy things occasionally. They are sprinting occasionally, and they are moving around a lot at this low level of heart rate all day long so those are the principles of primal endurance it's just what you know how do you determine what constitutes moving around a lot at a low level of that of aerobic activity and in our guideline that we set out in primal endurance it's it's a number that has been kind of proven over time to be fairly accurate and that number is a maximum heart rate of 180 minus your age so i'm Going to be sixty-three in July. So you know my training number, my, my the the number that I should be training at at a maximum heart rate for most of the time is one hundred and eighteen beats a minute. Hmm. Well, look, when I was an endurance athlete, I would routinely go out and run for at two hours at one hundred and sixty beats a minute, mm-hmm. or one hundred and sixty-five, or one seventy. Um, you know, I set the world record for the Versaclimber mile. Uh, at the age of 37, I held 186 beats a minute for 22 minutes. Crazy. So I'm used to ramp- running my heart rates way up there. But the difference was in those days, because I was a sugar burner, because I was so carbohydrate dependent, I needed my heart rate to be that high in order to get the work done. Now the difference is I'm training to be more efficient at burning fats. And the more efficient I become at burning fat, the, l- the lower my heart rate has to work. To, to be able to accomplish the task. Hmm. So if I train at this lower, lower level and spend most of my time, in my case, at 118 or lower, um, so that's uh, hiking, easy jogging, easy bike riding. Eventually, I become so efficient at burning fat that when I do decide to get into a race, let's just say I decided to enter a 10K, I would be so much ahead of my uh, uh, my competition who even though they've trained to run to race at a high heart rate they're not very efficient they're burning mostly sugars and they're not burning fat so on a on a on a workload for workload comparison i'm doing the same work they're doing at a lower heart rate or if you're comparing the same heart rate, I'm going faster at the same heart rate because I become so efficient at burning fat and sparing glycogen. Does that make sense?
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, you weren't. You train a lot more. Uh, you train smarter, not harder. Right. Exactly. And does your experience of your workouts does that change? Is it a lot easier to do the workouts? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. It's well, <laughs> it's, it's like uh, I, I go back and look at the amount of time I spent struggling and suffering in workouts because I thought that's what you had to do. So I yeah, I trained to hurt. Great. So when I, when a race came along, I could dig deep. I could dig as deep as anyone. You know, I could dig so deep that I would literally compromise. You know, I, I'd take a year off my life into the future, just digging deeply. But that's, you know, is that really what we want for ourselves in a in a in a life that encompasses not just racing, but living long and healthy and happy and being productive at work and having family time? No. So, so if you if you go back and you sort of deconstruct what it means to be a good endurance athlete part of it is how how good can i become with the least amount of pain suffering and sacrifice Mm -hmm. possible right you know and that gets us back to this whole efficiency thing and we've brad and i and and the 20 scientists that we interviewed for the book um have have all uncovered this method that that has played out extremely well in the last five years we've had a a number of athletes embrace this and hit personal bests and and report back that gosh i'm i'm actually enjoying my my workouts now i've got a cyclist friend who just fought and fought and fought and said mark i don't believe you this there's no way this could be possible that that by keeping my heart rate lower that i could become faster on the bike but he tried it for 30 days and it was so uh Empowering and so awesome that he he's he's kept doing it and he says to this day he goes the old days we would go out the he's fifty five years old he's he's been doing this a long time he goes out with a bunch of friends they used to have a Saturday hammer session they go as hard as they could for two hours right and then they'd be they'd be completely fried and that would be the end right. Sunday would be lost to sitting on the couch and taking naps right so <laughs> now they go out for five hours sometimes on saturday but they're at such a nice aerobic pace they can talk they can chat with each other and lo and behold when they do get to races they're actually racing faster wow because they become more efficient at burning fat so yeah it's they're, they're choosing to spend more time training but it's more quality time training and it doesn't at the end of a of that ride on saturday they've got the rest of saturday they can hang with their their family they don't have to feel beat up on sunday they can go do normal activities so there's a real um there used to be this badge of courage that everyone this you know sort of this thing that that you'd wear as an endurance athlete that said ah, i'm tough i can i can beat myself up every day and it's like okay and the point being right, <laughs> right it's like why you're trying why you're you're choosing to do this if in fact you're not getting any faster as a result
1: yeah so yeah, do, you, do you think if you were to rewind time, knowing what you know now, that you could actually carve off some time from that marathon value and then the Ironman? I mean, I do. Well, yeah. Wow.
2: I, no, I, I totally do. I mean, I, you know, I, I sort of it's a, it's a mixed blessing because it's it's because I was very good at what I did, but got injured and had to quit early. That I got that got me to where I am today. That yeah. gave me the aha moments that I have today. Right. So if I'd known back then what I know now, I might have. Stayed an endurance athlete for a longer period of time, and then, um, you know, no offense to endurance athletes, but in those in those days there was no money to be made. So I would be, you know, uh, poor as a church mouse, uh, <laughs> you know, traveling around the world having great experiences, but not really building toward, um, you know, a, a business or a lifetime. So yeah. there's there's that, and I don't again. There I have a lot of friends who spent their lives um, chasing first place. Finish medals with no money to be made because when I when I was racing, it was amateur only. You could not earn a paycheck uh, as an athlete. So you you know you you got free tickets to travel around the world, and if you want to race, maybe you got to pick a pair of shoes or some kind of bike component. But you couldn't make a living at it. And and there but for the grace of God, you know, would have gone. I if I'd if I'd known this stuff now. Um, so I was because I was a little ahead of my time in terms of coming into the the professional aspect of of being an, a professional endurance athlete. So yeah, so I, everything worked out perfectly as far as I'm concerned for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's all part of your story. One of yeah. the things you, you, you have as a little subtitle on your book is train intuitively, inconsistency is key. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, you know, it's so funny because these, even to this day, so many top coaches who don't have this technology will write out a, uh, a six-month training program for an athlete that they're coaching. And here's what you do Monday, here's what you do Tuesday, here's Wednesday. And it it sort of assumes that there will be a natural progression in fitness and it does not account for the, the fractal nature of how humans respond to stress. And other things come into your life. You've got work uh, uh, stresses, you've got family stresses, you've got uh, these illnesses, you know, the, the flu's going around and you catch that. And how does that impact your ability to train? So. The, what we teach in primal endurance is you know, how, do I, how do I first understand how my body works and understand what I'm trying to accomplish as an athlete as I go uh, – set about to, to, to craft this workout strategy but have to be ready to shift that strategy from day to day. I might wake up one morning on a day that I would planned to go hard and go, you know what? I'm not feeling it today and going hard would not serve me well. So I'm going to take today off, or I'm going to take it really easy. I'm just going to do some more low-level stuff today, or you know I'm feeling a, a twinge in my in my quads. Maybe today is not the day that, even though it says on my schedule I'm supposed to go to the gym and do um, um, maximum overload training, and today's the day I'm supposed to do like weighted squats. Today's not the day I should. So there's this this uh, we try to develop this intuitive sense of of inconsistency. Like all you need to do is a couple of good workouts a week to advance the plot, to, to move the needle, to make you faster over time. It's not like you have to do it incrementally day after day after day. So if you look back on the last couple of weeks and you go, well, you know, I had this good workout, that great workout, then I missed three days. And you know, maybe I missed three days because I had to travel, but I didn't I didn't feel guilty because I didn't work out when I was traveling. I just thought, okay, I'll i 'll work this travel into my into my i 'll call it recovery right mm-hmm. and i 'll spend the three days on the road um, recovering, but certainly not feeling guilty or beating myself up because I was supposed to go on a forty mile bike ride or I was supposed to go on a twelve mile you know easy run or I was supposed to hit the track and 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 now i can't so we're really trying to coach people to become intuitive and fractal and inconsistent with their training because over time the ability to know when it's, when to go hard and when to take time off becomes one of the most valuable tools in the athlete's tool chest.
1: Well, you're such a master of that. One of the things I remember from our last show, and I, I don't remember a ton of things from my shows because it's just so much input of information, but I distinctly remember this. I asked you, walk me through a typical day for you. What is, I mean, beyond just what you eat, but what do you do throughout the day? And you you bring in so much relaxation and rest into your daily routine. It was Amazing. I was like, no wonder he crushes it so much. I mean, yes, he has the fitness in there and everything and the sleep and all that, but you really bring in so much relaxation. And I ask every patient of mine, what's your stress level, zero to ten? And what do you do to to, you know, manage that stress? What do you do to charge your batteries? And so many of them will say, Well, I work out, you know, I, I do fitness and that's what they see as their stress relief. What do you think about that? How important do you think it is to really charge those batteries and balance out that stress with your fitness?
2: Well, first of all, stress management is probably the you know other than sleep the most overlooked aspect of health, and I know you agree with me on that. So, so you know when you ask people what their stress level is, um, you know I typically will tell people I don't deal well with stress, so I try to keep as little of it in my life as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I've just I was told the other day that a friend of mine, a very successful business friend of mine, has cancer. It's like oh well, and then as you start to drill down into all of the lifestyle factors um you know what are you doing about it well i'm still working and i'm still traveling and i've got this this and this meeting and i go dude you know you you have cancer you better you better back off a little bit and figure out how you can still have a life let alone a successful business uh so there it gets to that level with some people in my case um i try to you know i try to have as varied a day as possible i spend um several times a day i take a break from work i walk outside i breathe the air I think I might have told you I, in the summertime, I try to, I do a a cold plunge around two o'clock in the afternoon and I air dry in the sun for 10 or 15 minutes. So I get, I get my hormetic exposure to a little bit of chill and then I warm up in the sun and get, some, get some vitamin D. I think vitamin D is critical for so many parts of our life and, and stress is, is certainly one of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I try to get, you know, I get try to get at least eight hours of sleep every night, uh, I set my room up. Our, our bedroom is set up with blackout shades, and uh, you know we, we have an, uh, an air conditioning system. So uh, there's some white noise. It's set at 67, which we determined to be an optimal uh, sleeping situation. Um, now, with regard to you know stress relief and and exercise, um, yeah, I I want my exercise to be energizing, not to be energy sapping, yeah. and not to be stressful. So even if I'm doing some hard High intensity stuff. It's very brief. It's like if I'm doing sprints, they're now ten to twenty seconds, which is enough for my heart to go, you know, Matt to go all out, but then to recover very quickly. And once the workout's over, um, it's not like I'm uh, like I'm you know dragging my my tail the rest of the day. It's like okay, I had a great hard workout. It was energizing, but it didn't take me out of out of contention for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, When I go for a hike, sometimes. I'll do a hour and a half hike, and it's the most productive part of the day for me. It's when I write my post. It's when I get my best book ideas. It's when I'm hiking, and I typically hike alone. Mm. Um, but I don't do it. In, it's, it's not like um, head down, uh, you know, nose to the grindstone, grunting and groaning through a hike. It's like I'm enjoying the hike. I'm I'm hearing the, the sounds and smelling the, s- smelling the smells, and and observing the sights, and that becomes the stress relief that I needed for that particular part of my day. So I try to, in terms of my exercise as a stress reliever, I try to find ways to move that are energizing and that are, and that are meditative. Like I'll do a two hour paddle once or twice a week. I get on a up paddle board and I go out and I do, again, I do these alone. They're meditative for me and I don't, when I'm, when I'm paddling, yes, I'm getting a great workout. But at no point during the workout do I go, oh, God, when's it going to be over? <laughs> it's like I'm typically thinking, oh, gee, I better get back because I got a meeting. Right. You know, I, so I'm thinking, dang, it's going to be over in, in 10 minutes and then I'm going to have to stop. So th- that's part of the attitude. Like, how do you, how do you create a, uh, an environment for yourself that is stress free? And how do you, within that environment, find activities? that you appreciate because they are meditative for you or that, they, that they're constructive for you. And and, non, and in that regard, they're non-stressful. Mm-hmm. and Because I think attitude's a lot of this too.
1: Oh, completely. It's shocking to hear you say, I don't do well with stress. And, and it's amazing, you know, everything that you've built, but you've really been able to build that because you've balanced it out so much, right? With taking care of yourself and recharging, wouldn't you say?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, and I may, I may have... Um, it's maybe become one of my own personal memes. I don't do well with stress because maybe I do well with stress, but yeah. but I, you know, w- when things come up, I don't, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty, uh, what's the word? I mean, I, I I'm sensitive to to what's going on in my life to the extent that I I am bothered by certain things that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a business issue that comes up that that uh, I don't like or needs to be dealt with, um, you know, I I probably am uh, more reactive, shall we say, than I'd like to be. Yeah. So there's little little things like that that are personal, um, you know, personal things I want to work on over time that I know because, you know, we, like my wife has this thing, she wrote, wrote down on our family chalkboard, you know, <laughs> that stress doesn't exist. It just exists in the minds of people. And I've, I've known that for 40 years and yet do I, you know, do I actually get it <laughs> right? Um, there is, there's no such thing as stress. Uh, the mind just creates the stress, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, just imagine how much more reactive you would be if you didn't do all that stuff, you know, or how no, you handle I, it. No,
2: exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I sort of chuckle now because maybe I ought, to, I ought to change that line to, I do pretty well with stress actually. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this makes me do even better. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of my patients will say, uh, you know, when they first come in and I, you know, take a intake and they're telling me about how much exercise they do talking about even cutting back on some of their cardio it just it like terrifies them that they would start to put on weight so you talk about you know how to really be a, a fat burning machine and you know you're not of the mindset you have to do you know 60 plus minutes of cardio every day in order to achieve that so what would you say to some of those women who are so afraid of cutting down on their cardio and um, you know what might be a better a better approach for them to uh, to yeah. be more I efficient mean, I,
2: burning fat. Yeah. No, it, it seems that that's been the the accepted conventional wisdom over the last three decades. You yeah. have to you have to burn off the fat. Yeah, and you have to do that on the treadmill or on the elliptical or in a Zuma class or whatever. And the truth is that the first layer of, of um, or the the first level of defense against against gaining more fat and the first opportunity to burn off your own stored body fat comes from diet. It comes from literally reconfiguring the diet so that you become better at burning fat at rest, right? So then when you're better at burning fat at rest or at low levels of aerobic activity, which is that part that we're talking about in primal endurance, then you're less dependent on carbohydrate and less dependent on sugar. Now, when when you're able to – um, reconfigure your fuel partitioning largely as a result of cutting out sugars and simple carbs and and sweets from your diet the next sort of level is to go to this low level aerobic activity and ironically i see so many women at the gym and they're they're pounding it out on the treadmill or the or the gra- or the stairmaster or whatever and they and you see them sweating and and you know god bless them spending so much time Trying to to sweat off the calories, and they look at that readout at the end of their workout, and they did 422 calories, and that's what they burned in a workout. Well, then, unfortunately, a lot of them go home, and, and they think, well, I got to, you know, if I have to do this again tomorrow, uh, because that's my, you know, my my life strategy is to is to become somebody who goes and sweats off the calories every day at the gym. Then I better replenish all my carbohydrates. Right. So there's this vicious cycle where you do all this work at the gym and it's probably harder than you should be going. Uh, and so because you haven't become good at burning fat, you're just burning through glycogen. You're just burning through car- carbohydrate stores. Now you get home and the brain says, well, we're, out, we're low on carbohydrate. We better refill those glycogen stores so that we can go back and do this crazy stuff again tomorrow. And over time – and I've seen this for years and years and, and I feel bad for these people who are yeah. – Putting the work in at the gym and they still have the same 20 or 30 or 50 pounds to lose despite doing all the work mm-hmm. because A, they haven't got the dietary um, – they haven't found that, that key to fat burning through the diet and, and secondly and B, they, um, they're, they're working too hard in the gym. So when I when I tell people is when you go to the gym and you do or you go on your or go to the track or go to the go to the, go on a hike or go for a, a bike ride don't think about how many calories you're burning.
1: Yeah. Totally. Because that's
2: just not the that, that's it's think about the movement. Just think about having fun about moving and if you've got the diet dialed in, your body's going to burn fat. Mm-hmm. You know, your body's going to do uh, what it what it's designed to do, which is be- make you more efficient at burning fat. But if you're training too hard – and this is the essential message of the Primal Endurance book. If you're training too hard too often, then all you do is become good at burning sugar and terrible at burning fat. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you're trying to accomplish here. If you want to become good at burning fat, you actually literally have to train a little bit uh, at, a, at, a, at a lower heart rate. Again, it's this sort of magic number. 180 minus your age is is – has been proven over time to be that heart rate at which you are maximally putting oxygen through your system and not burning uh, through glycogen and glucose. Mm-hmm. And and that, so it's that. That's a maximum number. You know, So if you're a 40-year-old woman, you should not be training at a higher heart rate than 140, um, and you should probably be between 125 and 140 for more, most of the work you do, and not paying attention to how many calories you burn because – we know that at that max heart rate, you're burning mostly fat, and you're not tapping into gl- and, and you know the temptation is to say, "But Mark, I'm pretty fit. I can I can go for a long period of time at 150 or 155 beats a minute. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I want to do that if I can go that long? Isn't that, you know, isn't that burning more calories? And the answer is, yeah, it's burning more calories, but it's it's tapping into your glycogen stores to the extent that you're not maximizing your fat burning and to the extent that when you finish the workout, you will be hungry and you'll be hungry for carbs right. and, you'll, and you'll complete this, you'll, you will just perpetuate this vicious cycle over and over again.
1: That's what I was going to ask you is that I notice for myself when I'm starting to really hit my fitness a lot harder, I get so much more hungry and that's exactly what you just were talking about.
2: Right now, this isn't to say that you that, that that's all you ever do is low-level cardio. Right. Because in the book, we talk about once you're once you've built that base, now you can one day a week, once every seven or t- ten days, you can do sprints. But but you got to be prepared for the sprints. You, we we have you do work at the gym, so there's specific things you do at the gym that maximize your strength. And again, do so in a way that that is contemplated to to benefit you. So it's not like oh well let's go to the gym for an hour and train hard for an hour. No, it's we're gonna pick two or three things. We're gonna do them really hard, but maybe for ten minutes, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. You go, wait a minute, I'm done. <laughs> I'm only I'm, I'm wiped out, but it's only ten minutes. And I go, yeah, you're done. That's this is we're, you know we are sending your muscles, we're sending the genes in your muscles specific signals, and the muscles just got all the signals they need. And if you do any more for extra credit. You might even blunt some of those signals, hmm. right? Because people say, well, "Wait, there's no way I could be done after ten minutes, or fifteen minutes, or seventeen minutes." Because isn't a workout supposed to be an hour? Well, right. that's that's the old paradigm. If 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 you're so inclined, you love the gym so much that you want to go every day for an hour, you know, I'm not going to second guess that decision. But it's not; it may not be the most effective and efficient way of um, of becoming a good fat-burning beast of training for endurance contests of of getting as strong as you can with the least amount of pain and suffering right it might but it might be that you like going to the gym every day so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue with that but i'm just gonna say maybe there's a better way a kinder gentler way to get your body to where you want it to be.
1: Mm -hmm. And I got to say, as a clinician, I'm running all the labs on, on athletes and seeing the kind of training they're doing. I'm testing the nutrient deficiencies, looking at their hormones, looking at their cortisol curve. I see a big connection between people who just kill it don't manage it with the stress, you know, management. And I mean, I see all kinds of crazy deficiencies and fatigue and blood work that's just totally off and doesn't reflect how they look. That's the biggest thing is you can't look at someone and, and just get an idea of how healthy they are internally.
2: I was on the cover of Runner's World magazine three times in the 80s. So I was the clearly the picture of health, mm-hmm. the picture of fitness. But I was th- that's when I was at my worst level of health. Wow. You know, so I looked, I looked pretty damn good on the outside, but I was falling apart on the inside. You know, I had a, uh, osteoarthritis and irritable bowel syndrome and, and GERD and hemorrhoids. And I mean, I was like, I, I was a wreck, right? But on the outside, I looked pretty good. So you cannot, uh, you, you can't judge that book by its cover, right? right. It's, it's really, and again, ironically, I had become an athlete because I was seeking health. So that was the real irony there is that the more fit I became as an athlete, the less healthy I became. Right. So the whole purpose of Primal Endurance, the book, is to give you both, is to say, okay, you can become fit and healthy provided you're smart about it and take advantage of the new technology.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's a very needed book. So I'm obsessed with your mayonnaise, <laughs> side note. Yeah. Yeah. So good because every healthy mayonnaise was disgusting before I had your avocado mayonnaise. And I know that you are coming out with all different kinds of foods and you have your restaurant line. So tell me tell me about that.
2: Sure. So uh, the idea behind the Primal Kitchen Foods was – we wanted to make sauces, dressings, and toppings that pe- people could put on their food that made the food taste just that much more awesome, and imparted functionality to the meal. So the meal became more healthful. So your whole life you've been told, well, you know, mayonnaise may taste good, but it's made with nasty oils and 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 sugars and artificial this and that. Uh, so we said, well, let's make a mayonnaise that so helpful that the more you put on your food the healthier the meal becomes mm-hmm. and that's what primal kitchen mayonnaise was now i don't know if you've tried the chipotle lime flavored mayo no, yet I oh, my haven't. oh my god oh my god you no. have to try this <laughs> and um hit me up hit me up uh you know afterwards i'll send you some but awesome. it's it's now at uh whole foods it's now on thrive market and it's killing it because people are now dipping everything from you know uh, taro chips and uh crudite you know uh vegetables yeah. into this and going through a jar a day because it's so damn good, and it's so good for you. And again, it's avocado oil and cage-free organic eggs, organic um, vinegar from non-GMO beets, a little bit of sea salt. Full stop. You know. Wow. So it's so so. Then we've introduced avocado oil-based salad dressing. So we have a Greek vinaigrette salad dressing, a honey mustard vinaigrette salad dressing. Those are killing it. Uh, crushing it, uh, you know, whatever the word you want to say to all over the place. <laughs> People are really digging it. We have this dark chocolate almond bar. Uh, the point there is it's 15 grams of protein, but nine oh. of the grams of protein are from collagen. So you have more collagen in a great-tasting bar than you would get from a cup of bone broth.
1: Dang, that's cool. I would yes. actually carry that at my clinic, a healthy chocolate. That's that's really no, it's, cool. No, it's,
2: it's spectacular. So you can get that at PrimalBlueprint.com or you can get it on ThriveMarket.com. Uh, and a, a number of uh, Whole Foods are now carrying it, but yeah, we're so we're just having so much fun creating these sorts of foods that we think everybody wants to eat, but has stayed away from because they're not being done well. And we're you know we're doing them better.
1: So Amazing. And then tell me about your restaurants.
2: So yeah, so uh, for four years now, I've been working on this uh, Primal Kitchen uh, restaurant concept. It's a fast casual dining experience, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, so uh, we've we've actually sold. Uh, seven franchises already we don't have any units open yet but <laughs> we've, we've got so many people who are interested in, in this concept um, my kids and I are, are uh, uh, going to be opening one in the Los Angeles area as a flagship uh, operation soon cool. but it'll be you know a place to go get grain free grain-free granolas for breakfast cage free eggs things like that for breakfast items buttered coffee buttered matcha tea um, we've got kombucha on tap uh, we've got uh, you know the standard big ass salad for lunch plus some curated you know Korean barbecued ribs, uh, Jamaican jerk chicken all using these healthy fats and oils and clean lean sources of protein whether it's grass fed or wild wow. or line caught um, and then we open have one
1: in San Diego. Please tell me well, you're going you know, to. We're,
2: we're, looking for, you know, we're looking for possible Ooh, franchisees. All Absolutely. right. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, yeah. marinate
1: on that. That's, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's So, that's yeah, lots awesome. going
2: on, and all of it fantastic and exciting and, and good. And I think all of it also contemplated to bring what we, what you and I, and the rest of us in the paleo ancestral community know to be. The way we all ought to be eating and living.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? It's all about bringing more options for us because you can have all the information and know how you're supposed to eat, but if you're constantly inundated with all these fast food restaurants and even restaurants that that look like they're healthy, but they use all the weird, you know, oils and fats and things, it's it's real challenging to stick to it. So it's so nice to have you know restaurants like this that you can go to, and it just makes it so much easier. So that's that's really really cool. cool. Awesome, Mark. Well, we flew through this uh, interview as always. Do you have any parting words for our listeners before you go and crush the rest of your day?
2: Uh, Yeah, my parting words are always this. Live awesome. Try to get the most enjoyment, fulfillment, contentment out of every moment possible in your life because that's really what we're here for.
1: Yeah. 100%. Well, I just acknowledge you for the work you do. You are changing healthcare and making such a huge impact. So, thank you for doing what you do and for being such a um, you know, such a beacon of impact for people. You you really are affecting thousands, millions of people with with your blog and, and all of the work you're doing. So, just want to uh, I'm I'm nodding off my hat to you. Thank yeah, you so well, much. well, thank you.
2: <laughs> and Dr. Lowe, same goes to you. I mean, I love what you do and I think, you know, you're and you're you're impacting people at the very personal level, which mm. is what it takes.
1: Mm-hmm. So um
2: looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks.
1: Me too. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks. You too. Bye bye. All right. That is our show, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me once again. So appreciate it. I hope you got a lot out of that interview. I know I did. It's always inspiring to have Mark the godfather of paleo on the show. Um, and also, guys, if you want to join me for the Fit Life Live event, check out fitlifelive.com. You can enter live 400 at checkout for $400 off your registration. Look forward to seeing you. Have a great rest of your week. Love y'all. Mwah.
0: Bye.